You are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self-worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual, and going after your unique purpose here on this earth. Every week, Ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges, naysayers, and leaving outside their comfort zone. Or you're going to hear straight from Ella, where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has. This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to For Better Self and Net Worth. I'm excited today to welcome Erin Crawford. Erin Crawford is a candidate for Williamson County Commission District 12. She is also a certified life coach. And today she's going to give us a background on herself, tell us her story. And we're going to talk about getting involved in the political process. So Erin, if you'll go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us how you got into politics and what your goals are for the coming year. Sure. I think it's funny because I don't think I'm in politics. I think I'm just an engaged citizen. Mm-hmm. And I'm just an, somebody in a neighborhood who is seeing some things get a little twisty and not one to lean back and watch it happen. I'm one to lean in and lean forward, be part of the solution. So what, so what's happened here in um, Williamson County, there are 24 commissioners um, that represent Williamson County, and there are two commissioners per district. So in our District 12, we have two. Four year, they're four-year terms, and they're all up at the same time. And four years ago, there were 24 conservative Republican commissioners elected. And when I think about the growth that our county has experienced and is planning to experience over the next 20 years, um, it's disheartening to think that having 24 conservative Republicans sitting around the table talking about our growth plans for the next four years um, without a more inclusive voice sitting there or somebody who represent more perspectives Um, can successfully navigate our future in the way. So that's really what's inspired me, you know, showing, being, not having candidates on the ballot when I, you know, show up to vote that I think reflect my progressive values and inclusive heart. Um, I, and again, I just not want to lean back. So I just stepped up to be on the ballot and, uh, you know, representing my friends, like-minded neighbors in district 12. And um, so my, and really that's my goal is, you know, there's a lot happening here in Williamson County with our school boards and some of the um, book restrictions, let's say. Yes, I do want to talk about that. Yes, it's crazy. Yes. And I think that's, um, you know, just all of these activities are, 
you know, bits of inspiration for me to, to keep going on, to go forward on this path. Um, it's not any one issue, but um, I do have two boys in public schools, so protecting public schools, public schools are why I moved here. So the, the um, I have concerns about charter schools and redirecting some of the taxpayer funding away from the public schools. So that's again, another sort of hallmark issue that inspires me. Um, my children are also mixed race, they're black and white. And um, they're, I would say generally white presenting black kid, black identifying kids. And so they've had some interesting um, run-ins with uh, peers at school who don't recognize that quality about them. So again, just making sure that books are inclusive, curriculum is inclusive. Um, and uh, so all of those things are what has brought me here. And th that's really my goal is to just sit at that commissioner's, get a seat at that commissioner's table, whether it's one, two, four of us Democrats or non-Republicans that get a seat at that table, we're not going to turn the county left. We're just there to provide a different point of view, challenge some conversations, some way of thinking, more inclusive solutions for the county. Yeah, because you need checks and balances. You can't just have one exclusive group of people running everything because they're not representing everyone that lives in Williamson County. Yeah, and there's one thing that was really fascinating to me. So on uh, Monday night, I sat in on our county commission meeting and um, it started off with a prayer. And one of the um, commissioners who led that prayer had, you know, we just finished our county primary. So basically the Republican slate, you know, narrowed down to who their final candidates are going to be for the general election in August. And she led this prayer and said, basically, bless this uh, commission for the next four years, as if there isn't really an election coming up in August, as if the Republican slate getting finalized was it, what, you know, was all they had to do. So that was really interesting to me. And I don't know if it was intentional, but it was definitely um, got me motivated, inspired uh, to, um, to, yeah. So anyway, it was definitely an interesting experience. And I do want to talk about the book banning portion, because we talk a lot about books on the show. I ask everybody what their favorite book is, what inspired them. And I, honest to God, when I went through, I started following you, I saw your Instagram page that you were fighting the ban of books. I never thought I would live in a day where we're still banning literature. Me too. Well, it's crazy. And, you know, for me, I've been reading since I was four years old. That was the one thing I did reading books, regardless of what it was, was the one thing I did that my parents actually approved of. I was a very rebellious teenager. <laughs> so Yes. Yes, and I'm actually going through some of the banned or nearly banned books now. I have read um, recently Speak, um, which was about um, a girl between her eighth grade and freshman year getting raped and how she dealt with that her freshman year, what it happened to her friend groups. Um, there were there were, I think it was in Florida that somebody tried to get it banned because it had a graphic rape scene it was not at all that what it was more about her trauma and how she dealt with it the experience was barely discussed so it was clear that they didn't even read the book but I, I just think about if I had found that book in in as a freshman in high school you know when you're dealing with much older students and 
that transition, it's just, it's a very interesting, like relevant, modern um, society book. The same thing, like I just finished, um, so I read Speak, and then I just finished The Hate You Give, which was a very intense book from beginning to end. Um, And that was really about, um, it felt like tied to Black Lives Matter movement. And, um, but again, it was very compelling, very relevant, modern, um, and, and super powerful because there are communities, especially in our Williamson County bubble that have no idea that that's real life for people. Um, and so, um, I think anybody reading books and expanding their minds, understanding other people's experiences is so critical, um, to life out of, outside of our bubble here. Yeah. And you never know who is in that school system that is dealing with sexual assault. They're not going to wear it across their t-shirts. They're not going to broadcast it. You never know who might be dealing with that or racism, really anything traumatic. They need to feel supported in their school. Yes. Yeah. It's just beyond me. And you know, I think it's important to read books uh, such as The Hate You Give, To Killing Mockingbird, just anything that's going to touch up on those issues because you have to have an open conversation about what's going on around us. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I just, when I saw that, and even there's book burnings in Murfreesboro where they're burning Twilight and Harry Potter books. I know. It's I, wild times right now. <laughs> like, um, what is going on? It's like a time warp going, you know, uh, dialing back 50 plus years. Like it, it's it just, it's wild right now. And I don't, there was some uh, on the house floor, I think, or something like where somebody was talking about, what are you going to do with all these books that you're banning? And the representative said, I don't know, burn them. I'm like, oh, so yeah, now we're going to book burning. This is great. You know, like, I can't believe that this is, and I think that was probably what you saw in one of my posts when I spoke up at the at the um, school board meeting, it's like, I just, I never thought we would be in this place where there are groups like Moms for Liberty that want to ban a Ruby Bridges integration children's book or ban a children's book about MLK's March on Washington from a civil rights class in first or second grade, or better yet, the Seahorse book. This is like the classic one where not the class, unfortunately, it's become kind of um, a joke, but the um, the Moms for Liberty group wanted to ban a book about seahorses because the males carry the babies in their pouch and like kind of birth them. And they thought it was like a soft sell to transgenderism and indoctrinating kids to that in first grade. Um, so I, I'm just flabbergasted that these are, yeah, that these are, that this is where we're at. Yeah. And realistically, if you're that much against certain books in school, if you don't want your kids wearing masks in school, you have the option to homeschool your kids. And that's the funny thing. The head of Moms for Liberty in Williamson County homeschools her kids, but she's pushing all of this on our public schools. Yeah. I mean, she homeschools her kids. What hand does she have and talking about how public schools are being run, that, that's what amazes me. People just, it's a control thing. Any kind of censorship, any kind of, 
yeah, it is. It's all about control more. It's yes. controlling our minds, controlling our bodies. I mean, that's a whole conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you're a certified life coach. Yes. Yes. I, I got certified through Brave Thinking Institute. Um, I think about 2018. And I honestly don't think I would be running for office if I didn't have some of the principles that I learned through life coaching. Um, it, it, it had like being able to dream big. I, you know, I don't know anything about running a campaign, being in office, but what I do know is I'm smart and capable and can learn and can grow. And, um, and so, and anytime I get up in front of an audience and I'm nervous, like I know how to deal with that fear, the doubt, the worry, you know? So I really think all of the life coaching skills that I gain through that are why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I don't think I could do it without that toolkit that I have. Yeah. And I, I grew up, you know, I did when I was in college, I was into politics. I actually wanted to work on political campaigns. That was something I wanted to do. And what I've noticed is a lot of people are apathetic towards the political system because I don't know, people tend to see themselves as separate from the political system, like them versus us, instead of integrating themselves into it and getting involved. I've heard so many people say, well, why vote? The system's rigged anyway. Or people say, what else? Oh, you know, I don't have the pack money to run. You hear stuff like that all the time. People just feel like they, they feel like they're defeated by politics instead of part of the political system. What would you say to people who felt that way? You have to start with local politics. Um, your, your local, just what's happening in your backyard, in your community. If you love it and want more of it then that, you, you have to know who your candidates are and what experience they had that, that drew them and made them successful in the community that you're in. Cause you want more of that going forward. If you're not happy, then you have to learn about your, uh, you know, your options as candidates, but I think you're right. And here where we are, um, you know, I, I think it, it's helping right now to have a villain um, to, to have something to strongly oppose. I think it's getting some people to step forward and get engaged that haven't traditionally been engaged. Um, and then I think that I'm finding that there's a lot of people that have sat out, especially in my more progressive circles, that have sat out of local politics because there haven't been candidates to, to choose from. Uh, you know, I'm the first Democratic candidate in District 12. I think the last election four years ago was the first time there was ever a Democratic candidate in other uh, districts in our county. So this is really uh, about whether we're successful this year or not. It's really about um, just moving that dial forward, collecting data, getting people engaged, and you know making it easier for the next generation to to run and win. Yes. Um, Yes. So it, it, it's really, you know, when people look at Georgia and what Stacey Abrams did to flip it blue, it, it, this, it wasn't something she did in one campaign cycle. This was, you know, a long, probably six plus year effort of um, building a base and, and making sure people were getting read, the right people were getting registered to vote, that they had ways to get to polls. So all of these things are what um, we need to kind of lay the groundwork for to turn Tennessee blue. 
Yeah. And it, it's possible because you've got so many people moving to Tennessee from different parts of the world. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why I think my district is especially flippable um, because there's a lot of new home neighborhood builds in the area. We're not dealing with necessarily um, lifetime, although there's plenty of blue people who have lived here sort of lifetime or generations. Um, but yeah, a lot of people moving here with Nissan headquarters, there's a lot of Michigan automotive people in the area. I mean, there's healthcare, there's just so many outsiders relocating here, um, that I think, I think it's possible. Absolutely. Spring Hill, is that part of the Williamson County district? That's not my, not my district, but yes, it is Williamson County. I just thought about that. And how big would your district be? I want to say it's nearly 20,000 voters, uh, registered voters in my district. And in the past, because I've noticed in the past with like local elections here around the Nashville area, the turnout for local elections seems very low, very low. Yes. So our Williamson County primary, which we just completed, it was May 3rd. um, There were 11% of registered voters in the county voted. Um, and you know, it was prime, a, a primary election and the way elections are run here, people don't get it. Uh, uh, you know, so things are constantly changing, what district you're in, the fact that you can vote at any voting location is new. The, um, uh, the way the primaries work, especially for people that have come from out of state here, they think, oh, I'm registered as, but you're not registered here in Tennessee as a party. You can go to a primary election and choose whether you want to vote the Republican primary or the Democratic primary. Um, so, you know, you'll find it. I know that there were people in my district. So for the school board, or even for our county clerk on the Republican ballot for the primary. So we had Glenn Casada, who is probably short of uh, ever. <laughs> yes, and he, he he's kind of been um, ousted from the the state level. So he's coming back to Williamson County. He was on the the clerk, but you know he may be indicted soon. We don't know what his future holds. Um, so I know that there were a lot of people in my district that pulled the Republican ballot to vote against somebody. Same with the school board. We had a Moms for Liberty endorsed school board candidate in my district. And I, so people would vote for the other representative just to make sure that there was no risk of having um, the Moms for Liberty school board candidate make it to the general election in August. So you have... Um, so you kind of have options in terms of how you strategically want to cast your vote, especially in a primary where you can choose the Democratic or the Republican ticket. And then in August, it's going to be even more confusing, I think, for voters, especially because that don't know how it works, because it'll be a general election for the local offices like county commissioner, where you can vote for anybody, but it's also the primary for the gubernatorial race and other state races. So they have to, again, choose whether they want to pull the Republican or Democratic um, ballot. So it's just, I I think this is really confusing for people, all of these things, the redistricting, the where you vote, and it just makes it challenging um, to people to feel confident to show up and know what they're doing. No, we're voting for. We get the sample ballots in the mail. 
And the sample ballots showed, you know, just because of the local, the very local aspect of it, where everybody's gearing up for midterms, Senate, Congress, gubernatorial. Yes. Yeah. So I, I can see where that can confuse people as well, looking into that, thinking, okay. And then even I know the GOP in Tennessee actually had a strategy to where they eliminated candidates off their ballots that did not represent the, what am I going to say? How do I say this? I'll say the good old boys club, but they're not all boys. It's like the. the yeah, they're not bona fide because they haven't voted in um, either, I think, recent elections or haven't voted in the, the Republican primary um, in the recent elections. So for whatever qualifications um, they've set forth, they don't meet them. But yeah, there were like three candidates, I think, in Davidson. Or or you're right, it was more state. Yeah. Um, But they were kicked off. Yeah. They were kicked off the ballot. And I I was thinking, okay, if they really wanted to represent the people, if it's really about democracy. But I guess not. Yeah, (laughs) not. And that's the thing. I think 2016 was so polarized. That's when people wanted outsider candidates. They wanted somebody that was not endorsed by committees and just corporations, so to speak. Yes. They wanted people to represent them. So you're talking about how some of the polarization in politics can be a good thing. I think 2016 was kind of a wake up call, regardless of where you stand, of what you really wanted out of a candidate, what you really wanted to see in future politics. So hopefully that's just going to motivate more people to vote. I hope so too. I think the way we are so um, set in our political ways. Um, I, you know, I'm not out there trying to change hearts right now. Um, I don't think that's easily done if possible at all. That's not the person who has it. it. Yeah. In this climate. So it's really about letting people know that there is a candidate that reflects their, their values on the ballot and they need to show up, turn out, to to make progress for their community there is much i mean they're more important than me stepping up it's the voters who turn out to make the change i can't do that um i'm just one vote just like the, everybody else um so we really need the turnout to turn the county in the in the way we want wonderful now tell us i ask everybody on the show tell us about a book that you had read that has inspired you that may have changed your life? You know, it's interesting. So, okay. I, so I read in the last year, actually, um, Robert E. Lee and me and why this book was so powerful. So I, I, for, I married my high school sweetheart from Michigan, moved to LA. We had kids. I, um, we got divorced. And all of us, including my ex and his girlfriend and his mom, all moved to the Nashville area. So we're still very close because, you know, high school sweetheart and kids and all of that. Um, But after 10 years of being divorced, I got remarried to a Southerner, a a guy from South Carolina, Um, most wonderful human. Um, But reading this, Robert, we both read it like separately, but every week, a Friday night, we get out, we go out to dinner and talk about this book. And it really, it, it helped me understand him because 
And it helped him understand his own reckoning with Robert E. Lee, the Confederacy, you know, the fact that he's a traitor and not a hero, um, which he learned in school and grew up that way. And, and just understanding all of that, it was a really powerful book, I think, in me understanding how he was raised and his background and him understanding a little bit, um, not that he's the black sheep of his family, but he's the one that left the area. You know, he's the one who went away um, to the big city of Nashville. So uh, it just, um, that was a really, I think, good book for discussion and really intellectual about that. Anyway, so that was one that was really um, moved me recently. It's funny how we grew up to view historical figures because I think in just in high school history, up to high school history, you learn about, you know, the Robert E. Lees, the Patrick Henrys, you see them as the heroes and you see what they did to leave an impact on this nation. We don't talk about how problematic a lot of historical figures were. Yes. Yes. And that's why I, when I think about, you know, the Moms for Liberty or like the indoctrination, this anti-CRT, and I'm thinking, it has all history that has been taught in schools has been whitewashed and, yes. you know, it's been a different indoctrination, but it just aligns with you. So you're okay with that, but a more truthful, a more accurate um, portrayal of history and it's, you know, r- racist roots. And, and it, it just, that bearing that, is okay with everybody. It just flabbergasts me that that's, that it's okay. But, um, but yes, so that's why I hope to, you know, I, I love reading some of these books and having discussions about them, uh, in, in learning. Cause I think, you know, we don't know what we don't know either. And that's why books are so powerful and the representation of the authors and, um, the stories that they tell, whether they're truthful, you know, fiction or nonfiction, if it's um, a perspective and experience, uh, it's worthy. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person to you talking politics. I will listen to both perspectives. Yeah, I, I do. And cause I think, you know, there's, there's some middle ground that you can find with it, but I'll occasionally I'll listen to the Ben Shapiro's and the Matt Walsh's. Then I'll listen to Pod Save America, Rachel Maddow. Get all the viewpoints. It, it is important. And I think educating yourself and in, in being an independent thinker or critical thinker is important. And hearing, hearing all those perspectives or how you kind of come to your own authentic point of view. Um, if you are only hearing what's being said in an echo chamber by the same side, it, it, you're, you, it's cloudy. It, you're, yeah. you're not thinking for yourself. You're putting yourself in a corner, really. Yes. And almost you won't be open to hearing someone else's opinion if you're so set on being one side or the other. And I think that's what a lot of voters do. They adopt their, we talked about this in psychology, you adopt your generational political views, what your parents believed. You may adopt what your spouse believes instead of having an individualized opinion and what really matters to you instead of looking internal and seeing what is affecting you. Yes, absolutely. And and that's really how I, like, I feel like how I've gotten here is just 
learning, having conversations from all sides, you know, showing up for um, events, like even our school board meeting, both sides speak at the meeting. So you get to hear the impassioned arguments on all sides, but then, you know, knowing what feels right for me, you know, in in my heart and my values, it just helps solidify that. Um, But you have to, you you do have to listen. You have to know what the point of view so that you can be informed in, in talking about that. Yes. What lasting advice do you have for the listeners? And let us know how we can support you and get behind you or work with you. So lasting advice, um, I, so while I have this goal of being the first Democrat ever elected to the Williamson County Commission, I really just think I'm living my values and leaning in. And I think from lasting advice would be, I feel like we, especially at the end of every year or the beginning of every year, we set goals for ourselves, and, but I, I, I said values, like I just want to live my values. And if there's a, a, a thing at the end, it, you can call it a goal if you want, but I'm going to feel so good about myself for getting to that finish line, regardless of what the outcome is, because I have lived my, my values and done what I felt was right and leaned in to making a change in a way that I, I felt was resp- um, important uh, for our community. So I guess lasting advice would be that it's just like live your values, prioritize the values over the outcome. Um, yeah, so I'll say that. But um, yeah, you can learn more about my campaign. I am have a website. It's CrawfordForWilco.com, the number four in the middle there. So Crawford for Wilco with two L's. And it, I'm on Instagram at that same handle on Facebook. Facebook with that and um, on Twitter, I'm Erin Tainment. Um, that was a long-standing Twitter handle I had with a lot of engagement. So I just kind of let that one ride out. But please um, donate if you happen to be in Williamson County or Davidson area, volunteer um, to help get the message out. Knock doors, phone bank, text bank. Like we have we have a lot of work to do yes. to increase awareness and get the turnout. Yes. And that kind of volunteer work is a lot of fun. And it is also very rewarding. I can speak that from experience. Yeah. And it, so I did my first door knocking day um, last weekend and I thought, so I'm still an introvert Enneagram nine. I thought I would not um, enjoy or it would exhaust me. It was so, it was so good. You're not going to random doors. You're going to doors of likely voters that are likely um, Democrat on your side. So you're, you're likely more likely than not to be talking to new friends. And that's what I found. Um, I, I found some, some new friends in the mix that I'm happy to know now. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Erin, it was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for this. Yes. You're welcome. I look forward to seeing what's from you in the future. And I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. You too. 
you are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self-worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual, and going after your unique purpose here on this earth. Every week, Ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges, naysayers, and leaving outside their comfort zone. Or you're going to hear straight from Ella, where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has. This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you.